Hello and welcome to the podcast, Sport and Life. Ed Draper here with you again, sports broadcaster in the UK. Hope you're well. Thank you for hitting on the button. Thank you to the sponsors as ever, chiefly Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV, specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations. Check out BO underscore Cheltenham online. If you're looking to optimize your immunity, remember the association this podcast has with Cytoplan, food-based supplement company, house not far from here in the west of England, beautiful village of Hanley Swan, Cytoplan's supplements are some that we've been taking for 20 plus years under the stewardship of my father who has helped consult on the ingredients that go into some of the supplements whether you're looking for a specific supplement like vitamin d3 or more of a multivitamin vitamin you may call it so you can head to cytoplan.co.uk c-y-t-o-p-l-a-n.co.uk and at the checkout the code is draper10r 30 percent off your first purchase with that 10 percent off ongoing it's Draper10R, my last name, D-R-A-P-E-R, all capital letters, the numerals 1-0 and the capital letter R. Also, remember, we're giving away a free mentoring session with Anthony Asprey, who says by the end of this session, Anthony Asprey, the whole man academy, that is, by the end of the session with him, you'll be much clearer on how to tackle any issues or challenges you're going through, especially if you ever feel stuck or not exactly where you want to be in life. We're giving five away each month with the podcast. Check out a link in the show notes. And now on to the podcast itself with Ross Mitchell, who is a personal trainer of some repute and experience, good lecturer as well, someone that's taught me personal training, level three personal training course, and has been a mentor ever since in terms of fitness and given me some great advice over the summer. And something resonated with me that he put online about other people's opinions, stopping us to broaden our fitness horizons to be better to be fitter healthier perhaps feeling that will alienate those around us perhaps they'll frown upon it so it's just that's the basis of the conversation talking other people's opinions how we process them which we take on etc etc here he is the one and only ross mitchell Ross Mitchell, welcome back to the podcast. Good to see you. Um, this conversation came around because I was piqued by one of your social media posts regarding other people's opinions, which I think is a fascinating general life topic. But in the context of health and exercise, you were talking about it. Just kind of, I guess, refresh my memory, your memory of everyone's memory of, of what your point was around around that. Well, so it's good to be back again, Ed. And in regards to the opinions, it was the it was on the angle that people will always try and bring you down to sort of like their level for mm. the most part and they don't always necessarily want you to succeed despite what they will say so their opinions will be like, oh well you've done well but are you doing okay but and there's always like a negative with it and you're mm. like okay that's cool and it's it gets very draining for a lot of people because i've noticed this with people that have done well and there's always someone like an energy vampire that just takes a little dig at them. Just those little niggly bits. And it's that whole bucket of crabs mentalities. Unfortunately, people want you to be a success so long as you're not more successful than they are. Mm. And most will say, oh, yeah, but that's, that's not everyone. I'm not like that. My friends aren't like that. And it's like, oh, okay, we go. <laughs> okay, yes, you're the, you're the exception. Or yes, your life is the exception. Okay, cool. Moving yeah. on. Yeah, because everyone seems to be the exception. So, so you think people feel uncomfortable, kind of getting out of their circles, comfort zone, in a sense. You fear yeah. 
moving beyond that. Oh, 100%. I saw something, fair enough, on TikTok, mm. of all places, yesterday. And it was a guy, <laughs> I have no idea who this chat was. What he said was, I just heard it, like it was a short soundbite. I'm like, that's 100% accurate. And mm. he was like, you don't need a social life if you want to make millions. I was like, what is this? Let's <laughs> listen to it. And he was saying, he was like, nothing good happens at the pub. Nothing good happens at the clubs. And all these t- common sort of like UK-based places that people would go. He, yeah. UK like, and he's like, all you need is something to keep your, your head above water, pay all your bills while you're building whatever it is you're trying to build that will be of value to you, be of benefit, be fulfilling. That You don't need a social life for that. You need to be focused for it. And I was like, that he's, he's right. It's very true. Because mm. that got me thinking that we live in, in a culture here that Britain's and the UK is a very drinking-orientated culture. Yeah. Right. about the beer the spirits the wines all those things we're, we're sort of that way inclined and people will think well i can't relax or have fun or chill out mentally reset without those things it's like well we know that's not true and what happens is i was thinking about the psychology of this with it is people get very attached to certain things and that's the like the the sort of the cue the trigger or the trigger the cue the reward sort of like cycle can never quite mm. remember the exact order. I think it's cue, trigger, reward, something like that. <laughs> and it sends them in search of like the dopamine sort of hit that they need from what they're doing. So that can be, say somebody is at work and it's a Friday and they have their Friday routine of going to the pub for like a lunchtime drink and those things. It's yeah. not the drink or the alcohol that's actually rewarding them. It's the process leading up to it, which is they get in in the morning, they get through their work, they have a little chat and a cigarette if they smoke at, yeah. at first break. They decide what they're going to have at the pub, what drink they're going to have, and then they look forward to it, and then sure. they go to the pub and get their reward. And it's that cycle. So it's not necessarily the alcohol or anything itself that mm. is rewarding them. It's the cycle of it. And that's nothing new. That's something we've known about in God, fitness, health, psychology, those things for a long, long time. And this is when it comes back to people's opinions. If you start to, example, if I was to turn around and say, I'm giving up drinking, yeah. The horrified look on people's faces. Why would you do that to yourself? How could you do it? Yeah. And you're like, well, it's not great for you. We know this. Oh, yeah, but one doesn't hurt. It's like, I know you say this, but I can tell by physically looking at you, that's not what you do. You don't just have one, you have several <laughs> bottles. Yeah. Your skin's bad, your teeth are bad, your hair's like physically, you are in a bad state. And that yeah. doesn't happen eating whole foods. But you say that to people and they get very offended because people want to be offended in this modern mm. day and age. So yeah, if you were to say, I'm giving up alcohol, or people would go, they go nuts. They go, they go nuts. They're like, no, you can't do that. But if you were to say to someone, oh, I'm, I'm giving up carbs. Yes, brilliant. You do that. <laughs> Hang on. That's okay, maybe, but it could be dangerous to some people to do yeah. that. It's like, well, you can give up carbs, it's- but it's not sensible to do that. But yet, if you give up alcohol, which is sensible, people will rally against it because it's a social norm. It's something that mm. we are very, we feel like reliant on. And again, is it the alcohol that we're reliant on or is it the patterns and the process that leads up to it that gives us the outcome or the mm. feeling that we're looking for? And that's where a lot of people get stuck, which is where going back to other people's opinions, they will try and keep you in the same place that is recognizable and familiar to them that keeps them feeling comfortable. Because when you start to, whoever it is, starts to move up in the world and break free of conventional wisdom and tradition mm. to a point, everyone else around them starts to realise 
where they are in, in reality, in the grand scheme of things, and they don't like it. And that's the biggest thing. If you hold the mirror of reality up to people, they really don't like it. You look at like phones. I heard a really funny story the other day. I was chatting to a client who had one of her clients that didn't realize that on her new phone had like the beauty filter set up to like the highest thing. <laughs> and when they, were, when they were like, no, no, and they turned it off, this other friend of hers was like, I don't really look like that, do I? Wow. Because she'd not seen herself in literally however long. Yeah without the filter on the phone but she didn't know it was there and that's that sort of thing of reality some people don't don't like it mm. they don't like to realize where we are in the grand scheme of things and if we do start to become better use body fat or those things from a visual sense it's like taking the filter away around yeah. everybody else as they then see well they've done it oh but but that's them that's their genetics they've got an easier life even if it's not true yeah we'll find reasons to justify why they couldn't do that themselves, even though most people can. The, we can always move forwards. The, the interesting thing is, I don't want to get off the, the opinions, but the chat that you saw on TikTok, him saying you don't need a social life, but he was associating social life with synonymous with drinking. Presumably, we do need social contact, fun away from work, don't we? I think that's kind of proven that, there, but it doesn't, like you're saying in the UK, why does that have to be explicitly in the context of drink? Yeah, and I think that's what he was getting at, because when it comes into a social life and a social community, they're very different things in the way that people perceive them, because most people will assume, as you just said, a social life is going out drinking and partying and those things. Now, based on a certain age range and all the rest of it, that could be true. I mean, you might get somebody who's, say, studying at uni, right? Um, young lady, young gentleman, they're studying at uni because they want to go into architecture that seems like it's going to take a long time mm, it does and and they sacrifice going out and partying and all the freshest stuff because they want to study and like go and research stuff and really get a grasp on it versus the other ones they're no, oh they're a weirdo they're no fun they're a bit odd but then they absolutely smash it and get a job oh it's lucky for them they knew the right people blah blah blah, blah, blah. <laughs> stop making excuses for your mediocrity and that's what i mean with the opinions is they'll try and bring them down because they did the stuff they weren't willing to do. Now, I had a conversation around this with somebody I met recently, and they were sort of saying, oh, it's really hard to get a job and all the rest of it. And I was told I was too overqualified. I was like, what do you mean by that? So oh, I've got all these degrees. They're very proud of them. I'm like, wow, mm. that's, that's an impressive education. So they wouldn't hire you because of those degrees. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so did you really want the job? Yeah, yeah, I did. Are those jobs still available? Yeah, so you're not working. No, okay. Well, take your education off that CV and just have a CV applying for those jobs. So that's not yeah. a barrier. And that's interesting. Like, oh, I couldn't do that. So of course you can. If you really want that job like you're saying, and mm. you're not lying, then you just remove that. And you have two CVs. You have a professional CV where you can go and get an internship in the things you want to get in the door. Yeah. And then you have the other job that doesn't have that on your CV, even though it's, it's a good accolade. If that's holding you back, then just remove it. And they were like, well, no, no, I can't do that. But so take, take it, you're, that, well, that's the ego, I suppose, wanting that, that status symbol on the, on the CV. Exactly. And if that's then what goes to show with people is they're worried about what others will think. It's like, well, if that's holding you back from getting work, then just remove it. It doesn't really mean that much. Because then that comes into like the self-opinion as well. And a lot of people will put a lot of stock in the value of what others say. Mm. And that's like validation. We like to be validated to be feeling like we're a part of something and also to 
to belong. And most people will, even if people are like naturally better at stuff, they'll hold themselves back to stay in with the group so they don't make people feel bad because they don't want to be ostracized. And this is where people that have a lot of control in an influence over others in their social stack will have those little digs and they'll get everyone else on side and then they dig at these other people to keep them where the status quo is because when it shifts they don't like it mm. yeah and it's interesting that opinion thing with the context of exercise if you're to pursue an exercise program as you say and, and lower your body fat become more muscular become more cardiovascularly fit run a marathon whatever it it might be you're not perhaps willing to do that because other people's opinions may be negative i was just reading before we had this conversation online with a 2010 study from airhus university in denmark talking about how we want other people's opinions to align with ours so it's what we're worried about is people's negative opinions even if that opinion is they're somehow not fun because they're fit now or they're they're too exercise intense it's interesting isn't it trying to unpick what the psychology of being worried about being fit is but it's it's almost that you don't want any kind of negative feedback, even if you know objectively that negative feedback isn't helpful for you and isn't valid. Mm, no, you're, you're quite right. And it, it is, it's the, it's the hard thing because people don't want to feel like they're alone for the most part, or they've got no friends or no one likes them, those kind of things. And when you start to associate with different groups of people, there's going to be that transition period where your old friends are no longer useful for you. And that, that's probably the best way to say it. They mm. serve no use or value in your life. doesn't mean they're bad people. It doesn't mean you don't like them. But it's like being around them is not good for you. Therefore, you need to accept that and move on. If they're not willing to keep moving forwards in their life, that's cool. That's their choice. You don't have to stay there. You can move. Yet people always say that they're in support of freedom of choice and letting people do whatever it is that's best for them until it doesn't align, as you said, with their own personal sort of beliefs and values, in which case they then want to hold people back. Yeah. And again, away from exercise, it can be that, that simple case of, it doesn't always have to be aesthetically biased. It might be, again, if we use like the British sort of thing, someone's spent 15 years going to the pub, the same days of the week, Thursday, Friday nights, they know the same people, same faces, and then they go in there Sunday mornings for their meat draw, whatever it is. <laughs> uh, you can see I know this person. Yeah, I was going to say, you studied the pub life well. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, they're like, actually, I want to do a 5K. And people go, oh, yeah, yeah, you do that. Because in their mind, they're like, he won't do that. And then when this person does, they're like, oh, we did it. Oh, fair enough. And then there's a little bit positively, oh, you're looking healthier. You're looking better. It's like, actually, no, I'm just going to, I'm not going to have a drink tonight. I'll have something else. I'll have a Diet Coke. Mm. People go, oh, check you out, Mr. Fitness now. <laughs> and it's a little passive aggressive digs. And then all of a sudden that 5K turns to a 10K, turns to a half marathon, turns to a marathon. And not for the sake of aesthetics, because that's what I try and say to people is choose something to train for, to make you better at whatever it is you enjoy doing or you want to be good at physically so you can move and the rest of it. And then aesthetics will be a byproduct in some way, shape or form, provided your nutrition's good, your recovery's good, and all those other elements there. And this person will then start to, again, lose body fat, be a bit healthier. We're not talking about cover model already, but they've gone from <laughs> maybe weighing 16, 17 stone, which is mm, not far off the average for Britain, apparently. For, really? looking at, for men? Yeah, yeah, some of the sats and stuff. Because I was looking at the average like waist size, 
and depending on what part of the country it is, you're looking at anywhere from 40 to 44 inches. You're like, whoa. Yeah. Wow. And I was like, nah, that, that's not right. But I couldn't find any like 2022 data. That was from like a couple of years ago. And it did vary based on where you live. Yeah. Uh, and again, that comes down to like the demographic, the, the socioeconomic status and stuff of that nature. And waste's getting pretty big. And that's where the average weight creeps up with it as well, because people are unfortunately in the world of body positivity, which is, it's a dual concept because it's positive in some regards of you want to be contented with yourself and who you are and everything about you physically. Yet on the other side of that, it's given people a warped view of, well, I can be morbidly obese and you must love me. So yeah. like, well, if you love morbidly obese that's fine but i don't have to love you that's because that's unhealthy yeah you know that's might be healthy for a brief period of time that is possible but in the long run you will have far more degradation and illness and potential for disease far sooner then there is literal studies and mm. data and people that can prove this but people don't want to hear it and, and also it can be non-constructive for someone's health for you to give them that kind of feedback when actually radical candor may be required and actually what you're talking about our fear of other people's opinions I think we can't disregard other people's opinions, particularly if you're married or something like that. And someone says to you, your wife says to you, look, you're doing this terrible habit over and over again. It's making my life unpleasant. You kind of have to take heed of that yeah. if you want to get better. But you have to, I guess, evaluate the source and evaluate the feedback and decide whether it's something constructive for you. But that, this is all, I suppose, a process of introspection, isn't it? And you have to mm. have experienced, and in my line of work, I've experienced a lot of people's opinions, editors, commissioners trying to get on TV, et cetera, in the past. And in a way, that's a good training ground because you develop resilience, but you develop a sense of, of a process of how you take opinion or feedback, whichever way you want to term it. Yeah, and and I agree with you on that because with a lot of it, like, like you're saying, if you're married, you have a partner, those things, there'll be certain what people now call boundaries as they're saying it but it's, it's layers of respect mm. if you respect a person you care for a person truly there'll be certain things that you just wouldn't consider doing and yet yeah. that's where it starts to differ right if your friends are your friends they will support you it doesn't mean they have to agree they have to be like well i'm going to do that as well but they can support you with it i have friends that do no gym work they're like i hate the gym <laughs> but the common thread we have is they enjoy fitness yeah but their fitness might be running climbing um, obstacle course racing, you know, different things. So it's like we're all doing something. Whereas some of the friends I have, it's just the gym. They just love <laughs> the gym. It's that's just their mecca for them. They they love it. And I love the gym, but not as much as that. It's yeah. like, oh the, the, the 35 minutes now. I'm I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I've done enough. It's cool. I've ticked every box I need to tick. And yeah. like, no, I need to do three hours because I love it. I've got a love, I've got a love-hate relationship with the gym because I've got this desperate desire to be outdoors and I don't know whether it's I spent time my dad was a doctor in the Caribbean when we were kids but and I played football in the winter growing up as a kid and I feel like if I'm in the gym and I'm then working indoors it's like do I want to spend all my life indoors but I know that you can go in there functionally and like you're saying try and be efficient with your time and you get a positive outcome but I don't love being under neon lights for for hours and hours and and that's the that's the thing with it this is why like working with a lot of kettlebells it's what we discussed before I find those very useful because you can do them anywhere. Mm. And that's quite a useful thing. All you need is a couple of pairs of kettlebells and they can be taken in the car. So you, if you're traveling, you can take them with you. If you've got them at home, you literally just need like maybe a um, corner of a room. So you're looking at 
maybe six foot sort of around you in total. Yeah. And you can train everything you need to without moving from the spot. Talking about cardio, strength, flexibility, mobility. Again, fat loss may be a, may be a byproduct of that. There's so much you can do. And if, if not being in a gym is one of the things, great. Get some kettlebells. As long as you don't mind maybe being outside in a bit of the wind, a bit of the rain, or you just go under somewhere that's like covered. Great, you can do it. So I've got nothing against people training outside. I personally prefer training outside as well. Mm. I'd much rather do that than be in a gym. That there are certain things in gyms that yeah. we can't. That it's easier. It's more convenient no. to do. That's that's what you're paying for with the gym. It's convenient. Yeah. There, there's a guy who came on the podcast. Um, I can't remember his name, but from Wolfpack Fitness. I'll look it up. But he a couple of years ago had an outside gym in crew, even when it was cold. So everyone wear their overcoats and they'd have like a sheltered area, but they were doing like sort of deadlifts and bench press outside, which sounded quite cool in a sense if you had the setup right. And I think um, get get your heat right and get make sure you're warm before you start lifting and stuff like that. But it's, I think it's that that, that sense of circadian rhythm, isn't it? And that's that importance mm -hmm. of daylight and then that playing into your sleep and things. So it's the whole the whole balance. Other people's opinions, something, something that interests me about this is, when I think about putting something, particularly in, in the modern era on social media, it's not necessarily the people who are my good friends, established friends, or even strangers who you're concerned about. It's this kind of level that we have now, which is this kind of like acquaintance level of people who are sort of will start messaging you and querying things or kind of sometimes wasting your time with, I'll do this or I'll, I'll book this and then not doing it. And there's these people who you feel like you should reply to and, and entertain their thoughts, but they sort of sit in a, in a gray area, if you know what I mean. I don't know if you've found that sometimes yeah it, what's the term ask holes <laughs> <laughs> and as you know i try and share a lot of educational based stuff on like yeah. my social media and, and online just for people like well why so why not there's people mm. that share it all the time i do it for enjoyment and then if people want to ask something more nuanced they can reply to it and if they want a general conversation that's fine i'll have one but as you say lots will be sending you a message just to try and get you to confirm their bias and say what they want here and when you don't they're like oh yeah but that's just your opinion and mm. it's like well no you asked a question and i'm answering the question with rationale because you've come to me with a rational question and this is where it's meeting emotion with emotion and logic with logic most people when they're asking questions at least in my experience isn't necessarily true it's just commonly in like fitness anyway is they're asking you a question driven by their emotion so we have to try and establish through questioning as you do quite well, like with your job, you have to establish, okay, well, where is this coming from? So you can, you can kind of put like, okay, it's, it's this that's driving it. It might be fear, maybe desire, like whatever emotion is driving it, you can go, okay, I kind of understand it a bit more now. So you can ask better questions to get to the root of what they're mm. actually asking. So somebody says, Oh, what's the best way to lose weight? Okay. So before we go on is like, there's lots of ways to lose weight, but, why are you looking to lose weight? Oh, you know, I just want to feel a bit better. Well, what would feeling better, what, what do you mean by that? So I'm not trying to be condescending. I'm just trying to understand you. When you mm. say, I want to feel better, do you want to feel healthier in regards to not being out of breath as you move, uh, to having better skin, less sensitive teeth, whatever sort of physiological traits you can go to? And if it's a logical thing, they'll be like, well, yes, that, because, you know, that's, it can all be measured. Yeah, if they're like, oh, you know, just, you know, I just want to feel a bit more confident. Okay, so there's something there. Either someone's passed a comment, they're possibly the least attractive one among their friends. <laughs> something has happened somewhere where they are, their sense of self-esteem, their sense of self-worth has been hit. Mm. So it's then they're asking an emotional 
laden question. And again, those are fairly not loose examples, but you, when you yeah. speak to them, you kind of then work out where it's coming from. And more often than not, it will be an emotionally led question that's asked. The same with opinions. Most of them are emotional. Not mm. all, just most. Because, again, from my own personal sort of way of answering things, it's almost always pragmatic. It's always logic. Mm. But it's understanding that not but, everyone thinks like and, and even if you have an emotional response, which I sometimes do, a little bit insecure and sensitive about certain topics, you have to, as you get older, learn to uh, let that sting pass and then actually take it, let's say, into a process of distillation and, and, and review the opinion. And then you start to become less scared of opinions if you have a process of of evaluating whether whether it's valid or not. It's interesting because I know you've been vocal in the past. We've had conversations about alcohol and being kind of a, a net negative regardless of, of how much you consume. And I was listening to a podcast with Andrew Huberman, who's a neuroscientist from Stanford, mm -hmm. and he was talking about how there's a perception. There is an initial psychological, I don't know if it's serotonin or dopamine, but a release in terms of the feeling you have when you first have a drink. But he says that overall, it does act as a depressant, that it suppresses dopamine, that it's all these things. So actually, I'm kind of aware of that now that I do feel that the next day. And I think when you live in the British culture, you have to be aware that there are people you want to see who may want to do it in a pub. But I've always found when I played football when I was younger and couldn't really go out when certain people were going out, I'd go out and drive, those kind of things. You'd, you'd, you'd help people, give them a lift and maybe mm. go out with friends now for dinner and you drive to the location. There's, there's ways of getting around it without without kind of cutting everyone off isn't there but i think there is being honest with yourself about this isn't necessarily a good thing to do because i, I noticed that it does affect my mood it affects general optimism and pessimism alcohol around the same life that you have day to day and it's when you notice those little trends that you try you, you should act really yeah and you're very very wise and as you're saying you're putting in like natural constraints because this is and this is why i say it's like when you're looking at your friend group it's that case of true friends will support you regardless whether you're fully aligned with them or not they're your they're your actual friends right mm. they're like well that's not for me but it's doing well for you it's good for you i'm genuinely pleased for you we can stay as friends therefore if we go out i understand you're not going to drink and i'm not going to pressure you for it because mm. i'm just not and then you have your pseudo friends that are like oh yeah yeah well done well done and they're scowling <laughs> at you behind your back and then when they come out they're like, oh, go on, just just have one you yeah. know just have the one and it's like, no, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. They'll go to the bar and then they come back and they've bought you a drink. Yes. Or they've bought yeah, like, yeah. whatever it is you're trying yeah. to avoid. So something might be out and it might be cake, right? Or whatever. Yeah, yeah, cake, yeah. Like, oh, no, 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 no cake for me. And they're like, well, I bought you one. Oh, well, don't waste it. You mm. can't waste it now. And it's mm. that very subtle sort of, you can turn around and say no. You can say no. Yeah. And yet, if you do say no to certain people, they get very funny with you. Mm. And it's like, well, what's what are you trying to achieve here because they they want you to be again on their level with it because if it's, a, it's not like moral high ground but it will make them feel bad that you may be choosing better choices and outcomes for yourself mm. because they cannot do it but then the other question is why can't they do it what is emotionally holding them back in that regard and this is where they want somebody to share was it um misery loves company i believe is the is the old sort of saying yeah, and they want somebody to feel that they're in the same place as them, and they that they can, you know, oh, this person gets me. And the more people that start to become a little bit more is mature, is that the right word? I suppose that's yeah. as good a word. If, if people get more more challenges in their life, yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, I could go out and drink tonight, but I, as you said, I know tomorrow it's going to affect work and I've got to do this mm. and I won't be so sharp. I'll just, I'll give it a miss because then when you do decide to drink, you're like, there's no residual <laughs> guilt. You're like, no, no, I had a good night. It was enjoyable. Then it was good. Yeah. And then you could enjoy those times. Whereas when it becomes a commonality, a, uh, a habit, as it were, if you don't have it, then people start to get rid of, oh, well, I've, I've missed my drink. I need to go out and have this, or I need to make up for that. And I haven't been out. And it's like that starts to affect them very negatively. Mm, becomes a habit. Then, yeah. Yeah. An automatic. And start to them, yeah. They start to realize they don't really have much in their life. Because mm. if somebody, it's, it's, remember, it's not that, it's not, you know, offensive or wrong for somebody to say, oh, you're obsessed with the gym. You, you gym too much. You train too much. You turn around and say, well, you drink too much and you smoke too much. <laughs> oh, Christ, you'll get shot. You eat too much, it'll be worse. Yeah, probably. <laughs> exactly. You can, yeah, but yeah it, they go, oh, well, that's different. Well, it's not. If we strip away the nuance, mm. although the deliberate remove of nuance is tyranny. <laughs> I remember listening to that with Russell, Russell Brand and Jordan Peterson and that quote came up. I was like, that's good. I'll remember that. <laughs> when you remove it to the base principle of things, it's like, well, you're saying that doing too much of this for me is bad. I'm therefore saying too much of that is bad. Mm. Yeah. Too much of both of those yeah. things are bad. We can agree with this. But the reason a bit like heated with it is because they take it personally. So I'm not saying you're a bad person. It's just you are choosing to do dumbass things. You're choosing yeah. to do things that are not good for you. And you and are it, aware of this. So why are you choosing them? And that's that, where it's that, that dialogue. It's being comfortable not being attached to opinions to evolve your opinions as it goes, isn't it? I mean, how much is that? ultimately it boils down to when we want to do things whether it's an exercise change whether it's i suppose for personal trainers or anyone public who's listing the prices online how much other people might opinion might say oh you why are you charging that or whatever or why are you pursuing this mountain climbing thing why aren't you drinking is it being accepting that negative opinions will come is it building resilience against that is that part of the, the process here a bit like training yeah, and I'd say that there, there will always be negatives. And again, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're trying to derail you, not in like a malicious way. Some people will. Some people are just yeah, just those people. Yet the majority of the time, it's because a negative opinion or an opinion that may come across as harsh, derogatory, or deliberately trying to sort of keep you where you are, at least in my experience, is it's born of fear. Mm. unhappiness as well yeah yeah on the person that's saying mm. it and that's where there's then an opportunity to go well do you want to talk about something mm. if you want some help moving forwards there's people that can help you you don't have to stay where you are why do you think you need to stay where you are and it's trying to then seek understanding of things because things will always sting when they're said things yeah. will always sting yeah. and you sit there for a minute and you're like Ooh. it's like it's like shipping a, a punch isn't it in martial arts or boxing or whatever and then you have to just compose yourself and, and work out what to do next yeah and again you just sit there and you go okay well that's stung why did that sting clearly that means something even though it doesn't it clearly means something in here so why did mm. it sting so then it's allowing us to understand ourselves and that's why people say hey, i don't care what people say and you watch their reactions like you clearly do <laughs> It's okay to yeah. admit that that upset you, that their opinion, Russell, George, Jimmy's, whatever you want to say. Mm. It's okay to admit that. And then it's understanding why. Yeah. And you can admit if, it, if it's your insecurity, you have to admit that as well, don't you? And think, I, want, I need to discard that and move, move past that. 
Essentially, yeah. And this is where sometimes those like meditative practices and seeking like what's within your subconscious to understand something can teach you sort of some very valuable lessons. I came to one fairly recently and it was a very odd sequence of sort of memories that kept coming through in like a dream state. And it was that point that they were just about to get resolved and they didn't. And I was like, oh, that's really unfulfilling. And then just about <laughs> to get resolved and it didn't. And mm. that happened three times in a row. And then it clicked uh, in this sort of dream state. And I was like that. I just have to be okay that there's no resolution. Mm. And suddenly yeah. like, it just, it was like, you know, when there's like um lifting you're looking out of a window and you don't realize there's plastic on the window and mm. you peel mm. the plastic off the window and then you can see clearly you're like yeah oh that's what it was like and it's like okay that's that's fair enough because they, there are sometimes those things there won't be that resolution that you're after that complete thing you're like okay mm. and then it. the people are like, no you should get more emotional about it it's like no <laughs> Yeah, you can't. That, that's it. It's no, you just, just yeah, and, and being aware yeah. of your, distancing yourself is meditative away from your emotions is is massive as well. And listening to good people, getting the right opinions, I think is, and even if those opinions, are, like we say, are unsettling, I think is important. I think you've always been a great voice since since we met last year, and, and getting your intake has always been great on the podcast. Online training with Ross—that's the place to go, isn't it? For for more in, in, input from you, <laughs> more more random ramblings, yes, <laughs> and things of that nature. Because again, this can also be linked in with nutrition as well. I, I wrote mm. something yesterday about like fasting and those things. If when it comes to nutrition protocols, and again, people's opinions, oh, you should have this one, you should do this. Well, I tried that and it didn't work, and all these other things people come up with. What I would say when it comes to people's opinions in nutrition is ask somebody, okay, so how did that work for you? Why did you stop it? And listen to what they say. Because the example I used was fasted cardio, because personally, I like to get up wander to where I need to go, train, wander to the next place, then I'll eat. Okay. So I'm usually up about two hours, maybe three before I eat. Yeah. Not everyone enjoys that. It's not deliberate fasted cardio for any of the medical benefits and stuff that you can find information saying it works, information saying it doesn't. Mm -hmm. It's because it suits my neurological profile. It suits my psychology. But lots of people have got the opinion of, oh, you shouldn't do that. You should always eat before you train. Well, you don't have to. And if it suits your psychological profile well, it's going to be more beneficial to you in regards to keeping you consistent. So I value your opinion. And what you're saying is it's not untrue. It can be beneficial to eat before you train. Yeah. I'm not denying that. However, if that's something you psychologically need to be able to train well, yeah. then that's something you need. I do not need that. Test it. Yeah. And they'll be like, yeah, and they're like, why don't you need that? So I, I couldn't tell you. Mm. It doesn't mean I do not train better after I've eaten, because for me, I like to train either early morning, we're talking 6, 7 a.m., or anywhere between 2 and 4 p.m. in the afternoon. Those seem to be the two times where I will train very yeah. well. Anything else is a bit like yeah, yeah, up in the air. But that suits, again, the psychological side of things. If I could easily go not eating up until 2, train, mm. and then eat after that. But not everyone is like that. Some people, that's why the time-restricted eating or the... Um, was it like the 16 8 fasts or yeah 20, yeah 16 or 24 yeah yeah they, and they have a time restricted eating period that works for people that are not big eaters when i say big eaters i mean they don't like to eat consistently throughout the day they don't like to mm. graze they like to have like a couple of good substantial meals within a short period and that's it they're done whereas people that like to eat 
you know, little and often. Yeah. Psychologically, they need to constantly be sort of doing things and always eating because that helps them mentally focus more. They need that. For me to then put my opinion of, oh, I bet this works really well. And all the rest <laughs> of it, there's no silver bullet. Help. Yeah, there's no silver bullet. No. Plot, plot your own path. I'm definitely aware of that because of um, doing what I've, I've done and working three late shifts till two in the morning and, you know, going to bed at two in the morning three times a week and just being aware of, the, you know, 5 a.m. clubs and people's ideas and self-development. You have to kind of ignore them and, and work out what's what's right for you, which is an important, important part of it. And, and that's the hard thing with opinions, because some opinions are so strong that they they will convince other people of well, maybe I need to do this. And it's like, well, try it. But be honest, if it doesn't suit you up here, it's not going to stick. If it doesn't suit yeah. you up here, you're, you're not going to be able to change that because we have our inherent sort of flows with things as to what will be best. Yeah. And if we do not follow that, we're always going to, there's always going to be an internal conflict. And that's the difference between extrinsic motivation and, and intrinsic, at least in sort of my understanding of it is mm. extrinsic stuff would be, okay, you're going to do A, B and C, and that will get your results X, Y, and Z, but you must always do A, B and C. This is how they evolve, but you must stick to it to get X, Y, and Z. If there's any deviation, you might get X, Y, but not Z. Yes. Or Y, Z, but not X. Ross, this, this has been, like, we could go on all day, but this chat's about to run out, I think. So I'm just doing it on the fly on the uh, on the freebie Zoom. But it's been brilliant to catch up and, and we'll speak soon. Good man. No, not a problem, man. I will speak to you soon. Good man. I'll give you a ring in a sec just to wrap up, but that was, that was awesome. What do you think? Thought-provoking. Had to rush Ross at the end there. Um, fortunately, we'll get a longer chat next time, I'm sure. And good to catch up with him on that topic. I think other people's opinions, fear of them perhaps is an issue, isn't it? Particularly if those opinions aren't relevant to us or aren't actually helpful. I think seeking tough opinions sometimes, radical candour from people can be constructive. And that again, it's a, another topic, but all related to other people's thoughts, how they limit us, how they hinder us, how they can help us if they are candid and intelligent people giving us that perspective love to know what you think uh, you could get in touch hello at drapermedia.co.uk review the podcast comment on it tell a friend really appreciate your support as i do of the sponsors bang Olufsen of cheltenham and serene av specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations check out their fine equipment as christmas approaches and black friday and all those things um, if you go to Bagnolis and Cheltenham, you'll be able to find out more there, B&O underscore Cheltenham online. Thank you to Cytoplan. And if you are looking to optimise your immunity with their food-based supplements designed to be digested as easily as, uh, supplement, as food would be, same process, you get 30% off first purchase, 10% thereafter with the code DRAPER10R, my last name, D-R-A-P-E-R, all capital letters, numerals one zero and the capital letter R. And remember the free complimentary session with Anthony Asprey of the Whole Man Academy he appeared on the podcast in April talking about what he does with the Whole Man Academy. So check out the link in the show notes to a free mentoring session with him. And one thing I'll mention at the end of these podcasts is something we're doing called Attic Box Audio, which is where I sit down with members of the public, typically older generation, doesn't necessarily need to be, but to document their life story, their memories from childhood all the way up. And what we found, I think, is that everyone's got a great story to tell and a story that's meaningful. Those memories, their voice is meaningful to all of their loved ones. So it doesn't have to be someone who thinks they've got an extraordinary background. It's just I think everyone's life is is worth registering and recording. So check that out at atticboxaudio.co.uk. Thank you for listening and be back soon. Have a great week in the meantime. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.